to you about church today. Uh, over the next uh, two weekends, today and next weekend, we're going to have uh, just a conversation uh, around church and uh, what we do and why we do uh, what we do. <laughs> so I've entitled the uh, series of messages called Now Church. Now Church. And if you look at the graphic, it has our own people on the graphic, which I absolutely love. I love this group of people up here on stage. Why don't you give them a big hand and some of our creative team. And I'm, I'm so proud of our creative team, the way over the last few years they've uh, reforged and reinvented themselves and, and become very much a now uh, creative team for us. And just the whole sense of worship that they lead uh, in our church and the creativity uh, that flows from them. TJ and me are so proud of you and what you do in the leadership of that. So grateful, so thankful uh, for that. Uh, you, you don't want to know the hours that these people put in, uh, in terms of uh, what they do. I got a photo uh, last night of them falling asleep at the desk here at church, well beyond uh, hours that anybody uh, should be out and about doing what they're doing uh, for a Sunday. And we're just so grateful for uh, all of the effort they put in for the, for the moments and even the small moments uh, in church life and what we do. So now church, I've been coming to church for a long, long time, like many of you, and Throughout the years of coming to church, I've seen so many adaptions, uh, so many reinventions, so many rebuilds, uh, so many restorations, uh, so many moments happen. Um, I've seen people come. I've seen people go. I've, I've been involved as a church leader uh, since I was a young man, and I'm still a young man, and uh, seen that happen over uh, decades of leading church, all the change that's taken place. I remember when we first started going to church, there was none of this business of having people on stage. Those that sung on stage or played instruments, they were hidden over in the corner somewhere over there. And you had a worship leader uh, up front who was very demonstrative. Anyone remember those days of coming to church and doing it like that? And, and look what we have now, um, which is, is very different uh, compared to uh, what we used to have. Uh, the way we do communion is very different to the way we used to do communion when I was a young man. Uh, communion had an actual table that sat on stage with uh, white cloth over it and uh, it kind of sat there pride of place and and uh, we just do it differently today it's not necessarily better it's just just different that's all it is it's it's just different the way we communicate as preachers is very different to what it used to be uh, when I grew up in church and I remember my pastors uh, preaching and even content wise and I'm not saying what we do today is any better by any means but what I'm saying is it's just different and it's different because the people that sit in front of us are different turn to your neighbor and say you're different you're different you are People are different today. Expectations uh, are different today. Uh, attention spans are different. There was a day people would sit there and listen to you forever. Well, people give up after about 10 minutes nowadays. And that's why I preach for 45 still. I live in hope. I live in hope, a constant hope that people will take something in. Uh, there was a, d a day and an age when you could bring Billy Graham to Australia and uh, hundreds of thousands of people would gather and come and, and respond to the gospel call. I'm not convinced that if a Billy Graham came to Australia today that the same thing would happen because I just think we live among a different generation and a different mindset and a different understanding today uh, than we 
used to. Um, I had a little procedure done this week at a hospital, and uh, while I was there, um, the person that was booking me in noticed that I was a, a reverend. So as they're about to take me to theatre, I hear this raucous laughter coming from the desk, and he said, we've got a reverend. And uh, my ears prick up because I am a reverend, and uh, they called me over, and uh, they said, Reverend Tony Sorry. I said, yes. And uh, he said, uh, so you're a reverend? He said, that's interesting. I said, does that get me better service or what? Do I get a better quality sandwich at the end of this? And uh, he just laughed. He said, no, no. He said, I just find that really amusing and really interesting. He said, because I'm an extreme atheist. And I said, well, just make sure you look after me, please. And uh, we, we started a conversation. I said, well, I find it interesting you're an extreme atheist. That takes a lot of faith. <laughs> takes a lot of faith to believe in nothing. Doesn't it? It does. It, oh, you think you have faith? You think you have faith? At least you have a narrative that makes sense to a point. And then there's a gap where you've got to fill that gap with belief and faith and understanding and trust. Whereas someone that is an atheist has no narrative. They have nothing. Everything's nothing. That takes so much faith to believe that. And my thought for this young man was, because he said to me, he said, oh, that's, it's probably indicative of my generation. That my generation are, are, are atheists in general. It's what we are. We just don't believe in anything at all. I said, no, that's quite the contrary, actually. I said, what I find is your generation is actually very spiritual. Your generation is actually asking very searching questions. Your generation is more alert than probably any other generation has ever been in terms of wanting to understand the purpose of mankind and what we're here on the planet to do. So I said, your generation is kind of flocking into churches. And I said, the problem that you have is that when you hear the word reverend, you probably classify me in a certain box. But I can guarantee you, I'm not the kind of reverend that you think I am. Because just maybe he's had an experience with a certain reverend and a certain church and a certain culture. So he said to me, well, what makes your, your church any different to any other church? I said, well, nothing really. I said, it's just that I'm probably not typical of what would be known as a reverend and our church is probably not typical of what you would think a church is Um, the way we do our services the singing the celebration side of it the 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 sermon side of it Uh, we don't have a liturgy we don't get told what to speak what to preach um, it's, it's a little bit conversational, it's a little bit instructional, it's a little bit of education, um, it's a little bit of uh, uh, feel, God's presence, it's all of this. And he, his eyes just lit up and I said, because I said, in actual fact, your generation is coming back to church. Your generation is coming back to church. And he said, well, just maybe I need to check it out. I said, yeah, you do. I said, now do what you're supposed to do and look after me, please. 
So church, I very much believe in now church, even though I've been coming to church for a long, long time, like many of you, we've got some good old timers in the room today and maybe joining us. And maybe you have certain memories of church and certain feelings about church and and feelings about how church is now. Well, so do I. And I want to talk about that because the last few years have been really unstable when it's come to a lot of things in life. Everything has been shaken. Life itself has been shaken in the last few years. And there's been a lot of redefining that's gone on in our world um, in terms of the way people do life, the way people do business. Businesses have been affected drastically. Workforces have been affected. Every boss, every manager, every business owner knows that only too well, uh, that things have changed dramatically for people. Um, Things have changed in families in terms of patterns and behaviours and commitments and connections and and financial pressure that we have uh, around our world at the moment. The economic pressures uh, that we're all under. Everything was shaken and the church was shaken too. We were not um, separated from the shaking that has gone on in the last few years. So lots of churches, and I speak to lots of pastors who are in the same kind of uh, situation and season that our church is currently in, have experienced that shaking and that, that shaking moment where things changed and and people changed. People's patterns changed. People's rhythms changed. People's commitments changed. For some people, that meant the end result was that their rhythm of coming to church gatherings and belonging to things changed. For some, now it's every three weeks or so that they might come to church. It's every month that they might come to church, which when you extrapolate that out over a year that means you come to church 12 times can I suggest to you anything you do 12 times in a year you're not really doing that's just my thought anything you do 12 times a year you're not really doing it like if I go to the gym 12 times this year it's not going to help me much it's going to hurt me every time I go every time I go unless I do it every day unless I do it every day There's not going to be the conditioning and the gains that need to take place. And so people just change. Some stopped going to church altogether. Some just gave up on faith. Some didn't understand what was going on. Some developed kind of fear campaigns about COVID and wanted me to speak a certain way and take a certain posture and a certain position about things. And I had people demanding of me. This is stuff I never tell you today. This is confessions of a pastor. I had people demanding of me that I make statements about things that the government was doing and this and that and whatever because of a conspiracy that they believed. And my posture throughout that whole moment was, let's just see what happens in this shaking Because God shakes things for a purpose so that he can shape things. Shakings are for shaping. And some of the people in the shake really lost the plot. And I had people that wanted to argue with me about end times and that this was the end of the end and I needed to be preaching on it and I needed to be teaching on it and I needed to believe what they believed about end times. And I just thought, I'm not sure that's the way this works. I'm really not sure that's the kind of pastor I want to be. I mean, I'm not going to make any statements about this COVID thing because I'm not, I'm not an epidemiologist. Is that how you, I can't even say the word. Epidemiologist. I'm not an epidemiologist, so I'm not going to give instruction on that. I was amazed at how many pastors became epidemiologists overnight. I never knew they studied that at university. 
That's not my job. My, my job is this book. My job is the Bible. My job is unpacking that and teaching that and bringing the truth of that. Let your epidemiologist tell you about the epidemiologist world. It's like if you've got troubles in your brain, don't come to your pastor. I can't help you when it comes to brain surgery. You need to go to someone that's studied. Like it's not going to make you feel very comfortable if they wheel you into surgery and I'm standing there. <laughs> that won't help you. doesn't matter how much I pray. I'm going to need better guidance than that. It's not going to work. There are just some things you need to get the right people in the room to do. And so I just wasn't sure I wanted to be that kind of pastor. I didn't want to be the protest pastor. I didn't want to join the protest voice. Because I just believe the church is here to be a positive voice in the world. Jesus said, we're a light that shines. We're a light that shines. I'm not here to criticize everything. I'm not here to tell everything how wrong it is, how wrong the government is about this and that and whatever. That's just not my job. It's not what I'm called to do. It's not my voice. It's not what the church is. The church is, as, as Chi said, there's this sacredness around the church. This sacred family that God has called us to. And so we had people changing, rhythms changing, people leaving because of beliefs and what we would preach or wouldn't preach. Or we were too Pentecostal, or we were too Baptist, or we were too Catholic, or not that we're any of those. Um, but, you know, we were too whatever, um, or... They didn't believe in giving or or whatever it was. I I heard every excuse that you could possibly use throughout that season. Then we had families that just stopped coming, which really affected our youth and our children's and things like that. It just got very, very hard. And so I had to have some good, strong conversations with our teams and with our leaders just to be brave, to be brave, because I've been through a few seasons. Anyone else in the room been through a few seasons? I'd been through a few seasons and kind of felt like David the shepherd boy when he killed a lion and he killed a bear and then he stood in front of Goliath and he, he kind of just said to himself, I've been here before. I haven't fought him before, but I've, I've, I've fought the lion. I fought the bear uh, with, with my hands. So I, I know what to do here uh, in this season. And so when it came to the season that we were facing and confronting as a church, as it was shaking, I kind of gathered leaders and just said, this is a time to be brave. This is a time to be brave. This is a time to give strong, visionary, entrepreneurial leadership to our church to reinvent ourselves right now throughout this shaking so that we come out better shaped as a church and so we're affected in lots of ways our teams were affected our team numbers reduced our rosters were very different people had to work a whole lot harder which I felt really bad about as a pastor the demands that were on people uh, because our teams were depleted thank God we're coming through that season thank God we're coming through the season where we're building more consistency we're getting more traction our teams are gathering people again and it's becoming more attractive again because when you're ugly you're ugly you know when you're ugly you don't need anyone to tell you you're ugly you know you're ugly you know it you don't need to look into a mirror you know you're ugly and I know the seasons of church life where it's ugly I don't need to be told I don't need anyone to instruct me just because I'm smiling doesn't mean I don't know it's ugly I know when it's ugly and when it's ugly, my responsibility as a leader is not to respond with ugly. My responsibility as a leader is to respond with brave. 
My responsibility as a leader is let's ride this out. My responsibility as a leader, let's bunker down. My responsibility of a lead as a leader is let's just put some makeup on this thing. Let's just get some makeup on it. Let's make it feel good again. Let's make it look good again. Let's preach faith. Let's preach the word of God. Let's preach some direction into people's homes. Let's do that. Let's give leadership in a season where people are really hurting. And so seasons of shaking, they come. The year was 586 BC in Jerusalem. Things weren't good. Jerusalem was about to be invaded. The Babylonians came in. They took over Jerusalem. They burnt the city to the ground. They destroyed Solomon's temple. Talk about wreck it. I mean, they just wrecked everything. They, they, the entire city was demolished. And that place of worship, God's house, that temple that was built for the presence of God was totally destroyed and was all made rubble. 70 years later, after coming out of captivity in Babylon, a leadership group got together and began to rebuild the city of Jerusalem and to rebuild the temple of the Lord. And I want to go to these verses for a moment because these are my go-to verses in the season that we were going through as a church. These verses greatly encouraged my heart through a season of darkness. The prophet says, Haggai says, does anyone remember this house, this temple? Do you remember its former splendor? How in comparison does it look to you now? And then he answers it for them. He says, it must seem like nothing at all. Like, like now church must seem nothing like what it was and like what it used to be. And that's how I felt as we were going through the shaking, as families disappeared, as individuals disappeared, as people became less frequent and we didn't know what was going on on the horizon of church world. The next verse says, but the Lord says, I'm always looking for what God says in the circumstance. I want to hear what God says about the situation. I want to know what God thinks. And so this is what God says, be strong. Everyone say, be strong. Be strong. And God spoke to the governor of, of, of Jerusalem, uh, Zerubbabel. He said, be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Jeshua, or Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people still left in the land. And here's the instructions. Now get to work. Turn to your neighbor and say, get to work. Get to work. Get to work. Why? Because I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. I'm in this, is what God says. Says the Lord of heaven's armies. My spirit remains among you. You know, it's important when you have things leave you, people leave you, shakings going on. What's important is that we understand God is still with us. God is still with us. And here the prophet says, uh, the word of the Lord is my spirit remains among you, just as I promised when you came out of Egypt. So do not be afraid. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place, I will bring peace for I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken it. I can't tell you how many days I lent on this promise. I know it applied to a particular place, person and people in past history, way back in about 520 BC. Uh, AD. Um, and and I, I look at it and I think, well, BC. Uh, I, I look at it and I think, God, you spoke to me through that in a dark moment about the former glory of this house, about the current state of this house, 
and about the future state of this house. And it was like God said to me, just love now, church. Love it for what it is. Love it for what it is. Don't live for what it was. Love it for what it is now because what it is now looks nothing like what it will become. The latter will be much greater than the former. The latter will be much greater than the former. And not because of us, but simply because of the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God. God's faithfulness towards us and for us. So our shaking seasons are shaping seasons. And so the season demanded that we led with a visionary, entrepreneurial spirit for our church as pastors and as teams. And so we had to pioneer new trails. We had to blaze, in a sense, new trails and ways of doing things. We had to create new methods We had to create new models. And so we reimagined everything about how we do church and what our church is. And one of the things we developed a very strong purpose in was that our church was much more than what sat here or on the other side of that camera. But our church was this village that God has placed us in, this community that God has placed us in. And we needed to start seeing it as our church and be inclusive in our language rather than exclusive. And so when I speak, I don't speak to this alone. I'm speaking to the atmosphere of a village, but I'm speaking to this about having a heart for that. And that's where we led. And so it led us into doing things where we took responsibility to reach our community, serve our community, resource our community, help educate our community in sectors where people were falling through gaps. And so we started the whole uh, traineeship program that we do in partnership with the government to help people that have never had a job and are extremely unemployable to bring them in and do traineeships in hospitality, administration, and in uh, uh, retail. And this year, we've had 30 people go through that program. In a few weeks, in early December, they're going to graduate. Many of them have jobs for the first time in their life, and it's changed their world. And that happened as a result of the church being the church. See, this is this little thing you see here, this is not just the church. The church is everything we do out there towards that. And the government partnership with us, they gave us a whole swag of money to do that, which paid the traineeships wages. It paid staff wages. Uh, it helped our church in terms of the hire out of everything that we do. So it really helps us and helped us through a season where things were a little bit challenging for us and we wanted to move life forward. And so we're developing further strategies of what we can do as a church into the domestic violence field, uh, particularly and what we can do practically there not just do courses and classes, but hopefully have a home. Hopefully have a home that can be a centre, a rescue centre for people. There's so much on the radar in terms of plans of what we want to do towards our community because I want us to be healers and helpers. Healers and helpers. We're not just here to be speakers and singers. We're here to be healers and we're here to be everywhere Jesus went. He helped and he healed. 
Everywhere he went, he helped and he healed. He was practical. He fed people. They clothed people. They got involved in people's worlds. And we, we have really positioned ourselves as a church so that we can help that. And the thought I have about now church is this, is that now church is about glow, not show. So much of the past of the modeling of church became about show. And it was, it was a show in some some regards across different areas of the broader church world. It was more about show, whereas Jesus never called us to show. He called us to glow, to be a light unto the world, something that people were drawn to, not for entertainment, not for visual stimulation, not for intellectual stimulation, but they they were called to something, to be a part of something, to find their own healing, They're healing from their own hurts to find meaning, to find purpose, to find serving together and doing something to help shape a community. That's the kind of church I want to belong to. That's the kind of church that I want to lead. I don't want to lead a show church. I want to lead a glow church. I want you to shine. Shine. I want us to shine. And so God is very much with us in this season. Is it different? Yes, it's different. Is it smaller? Yes, it's smaller. Is it ugly and has it been ugly? Yes, some parts of it are still ugly. Some parts are still ugly. But it's the same of our bodies. We don't all have perfect bodies. And we hide some parts and things. And we put makeup on. And that's just the boys. Because we want to look better. Is what we do. And so... We, we can work on ugly, and so we're trying to do that the best we can as a church. So here's my word for our pastors. Be strong. Be strong. Be strong. And encourage your pastors. Encourage your pastors. We've just come through a month that's known in the Western world as Pastor Appreciation Month. And uh, we don't do a whole heap with that publicly as a church, but I always want our pastors to know that they are appreciated. We value them. We love them. We honour them for not only what they do, but for who they are. And speaking to the church as a pastor, I know it's a hard job. It's a hard calling. It's a tough thing to be doing, to be a pastor. And so to our pastors, we all want to shout out, be strong. I want strong pastors. I want resilient pastors. Like Joshua, the high priest, who had to rebuild this temple, who can do the rebuilds. Not only pastors, leaders. We, we want our church leaders to be strong. Be strong. Be strong, church leaders. Be strong, no matter what the shaking or shaping is. Our teams to be strong. I want our church to be strong. So here's the command. Get to work. Turn to your neighbor and say, get to it. Get to it. Get, get to work. Get to work in the rebuild. You, you all help with the rebuild. You, we all help with rebuilds. We help. We help rebuild the church. We help gather people. We help bring people. We help connect people. We help restore people. We help reach people. We help by inviting people. We help by blessing people. We help by understanding just how good... You, I, I am absolutely positive that we, we live with a sense of... Um, not really understanding just how good we have it as believers in terms of what we belong to when we belong to a church. Because so many people don't have this. They don't have it. 
I was having a conversation recently with somebody who asked me some questions about God and about faith. And they said, can I talk to you? Because they know I'm a pastor, so they wanted to talk to me. And, and, and can I talk to you about this? Sure, let's talk. And I said, well, I got invited to this thing. Someone invited me to like a, a group at someone's home. So it was like a connect group, like a home group. And their comment was, I couldn't believe how good it was. I couldn't believe. Now, this is a mature age adult, young adult. Mature age, young adult, who said, I couldn't believe what I felt in the room. I couldn't believe the love that I felt in the room. The connection that these people had. And the food. And that, that was the first experience ever that this person had had with anything spiritual, anything religious, anything that looked like anything like church, and just said, I was amazed. I was amazed. And yet you and I would go to a group like that and be looking at the clock, thinking, well, we've been here for an hour. <laughs> Seriously, got to go home, the block's on. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we, 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 we get so compromised sometimes. It's the same with church. Some of you are looking right now thinking he's been speaking for 25 minutes. How long is he going to go? Well, nobody knows. Anything could happen. Um, that's the thing about church. But we, we sometimes forget just how good it is to belong simply because we belong so long. And if you belong long, you, you, you've kind of got to go through a shaking, shaping season every now and then to re-identify the value of this thing to you. So I'm, I'm calling this as a season that we're entering right now where I'm believing that God in this latter stage is going to do so much more than he did in the previous. And the, the value in the, 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 the latter house is going to be so much better. So love now, church. Love it now. Love it now. Love it for what it is. Love it for even in the ugly parts. Just love it. You know, our calling to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength is still our command and our absolute priority as a church. That never changed even though things were being shaken. Our command to seek first the kingdom of God above everything else is still our command no matter what happens economically in our world, no matter what happens spiritually in our world, no matter the era or the season that our world might be in. So here's my text for today, and I'm going to rabbit through this as quick as I can. Philippians 4 verse 9, Paul says this, keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you've heard from me and everything you've saw me doing, and then the God of peace will be with you. I love Paul. Paul was a very practical leader. He was a coach, he was a mentor, he was an apostle, uh, he was a disciple of Jesus Christ. He was one that greatly encouraged the church and so he wrote letters to various churches to encourage them and to do what I'm doing today, to have a conversation with the church as a pastor and as a leader. And he says to them, put into practice everything you've learned and everything that you've received from me, practice what you've heard in me and practice what you've seen in me and then God's peace will be with them he says that confidently because as he says in another verse he says follow my example as I follow the example of Christ and so as Paul was a Christ follower he was calling them to be a Christ follower in the way they do church so my thought is this the power of our believing is in what we do not what we intend to do the power of belief is in what we do, not what we 
intend to do. You see, believing is not about good intentions. It's about living with good intention. It's not about good intentions. It's about living with good intentions. So the power of believing is in doing what we've learned and received. So all the investment that has been made in your life, in your family, in your heart, in your mind, in terms of your worldview, your view of God, all of that investment over the years was something that hopefully held us through that season of shaking. Through that season of shaking, it held us. And I'm preaching to the choir today. Everyone go, la! Beautiful. See, I'm preaching to the choir. So I know the people that need to hear this message aren't really here. But it's been recorded. So it's forever on YouTube. So the people that need to hear it can listen to it later. So you can cheer in the room today because you're all the good people. You're good too, if you're listening and watching this back. You're also good, but these ones are really good. So I know I'm preaching to the choir, but sometimes you've got to preach to the choir so you don't get someone that just does their own thing in the choir. There's nothing worse than someone that just has that voice. You know what I mean? You've seen it. You've sat next to them. You may be them. You sing in a choir for a good reason. There's a part to play. There's a part to play. And we all play our part. So the power of our believing is in doing what we've learned and received. It's in doing what we hear and see. The power of is, is in the doing, not just in the knowing. That's what wisdom is. Knowledge is just knowing, but wisdom is applying that knowledge. And there's a lot of people that have a lot of knowledge, but very little wisdom. And in church and in our church, what we need is an alignment of knowledge and the application of it so that we are wise. We are wise in these moments. We are wise in these seasons. So our Christian faith is not just for listening, it's for living. It's not just for observation, it's for participation. It's not a, wa- it's not a talk, it's a walk. It's not a talk, it's a walk. Jesus didn't say, come and, come and listen to me talk. He said, come and walk with me. That was the invitation he gave to the disciples. Come and walk with me and work with me. And just listen to me. A lot of people listened to Jesus, but not many walked with him and not many worked with him. And it's in our walking and our working with the Lord that we really become the church, that we really become the church that will shine. And so today, like Paul, I want to be that pastor. I want to be that leader. I want to be that coach. I want to be that mentor that speaks into our church about putting into practice all the things you've learned and received over the years from all kinds of pastors and all kinds of leaders and all kinds of church experiences. And I want to encourage us all just to love now church, just to love now church and to speak well of it. Keep loving God and the church no matter what. Love the church not for what it was, but love the church for what it is now and for what it potentially will be with the faith, because of the faithfulness of God. Um, I've, I've seen many people come in, during, particularly during the shaking season, with a sense of expectancy because they'd, they'd left another church or something or, or whatever, and they'd come to our church with a real sense of expectation about the kind of church that we should be and the kind of pastor that I should be and the kind of sermons that I should preach or I should teach or theology that I should have. And I just want to say to our church, uh, for me, that's not the way it works. I don't work that way. I'm never going to do what the Bible says about end times, where it says in the end times, they will hoard up teachers for themselves that will tickle their ears. I'm not an ear tickler. I've never been an ear tickler. I don't like ears. 
Well, you all have them. We've got to deal with them. But I, I, don't, I don't like just impressing people's ears. I'm after your heart. I'm after your heart. Not just ears. And so you can have a lot of ears, but very few hearts. And what the shaking season showed us was there are a lot more ears than hearts. And so don't just lend me your ears. Give me your heart. And I think that's the cry of heaven. I think that's the Father's cry. Not just ears, but also hearts. You know, when it comes to church, there's no such thing as a perfect church. Our church is far from perfect. I've never been in the perfect one yet. I've never seen perfect people in church. In actual fact, what I've seen is very imperfect people in church. Broken people, hurting people, um, people that are struggling, people that are, people that are doing well, people that are successful, um, people that have all the trimmings and the trappings of success. I've seen all kinds of people in church life, but I've never seen it perfect. There's always stuff going on. There's, there's always mistakes going on. There's always sin going on. There's always this stuff happening around church world and church people. So please don't ever judge a church by what you see in terms of things that will happen. Like if someone doesn't look at you properly or someone didn't say hello to you, someone didn't shake your hand or someone walked past you or didn't acknowledge you or forgot your birthday. I mean, I I do all those things and I will make all those mistakes with you. I will use your wrong name. I I will do all kinds of things that potentially could offend people. I don't mean to offend people. I offended a woman once because I was having a conversation with her and my feet were pointed the wrong way. So I can't help which way my feet point. They're on the end of my legs. I didn't know they had to point right there as I'm talking to you. And apparently this is not good. Um, But Or some people like to be up close when they talk to you. And this lady once, many, many years ago, who, when she talked to me, it was like, are you kissing me or are you talking to me? Like, seriously, she would be that far away. And those that know me know I'm very uncomfortable with that. It's like, like I, I have a certain space. You get in that space, you're going to know it. It's going to be a little bit of... But she was like, woo! It's like, Seriously? so easy to offend people. I can offend people when I preach because I say the wrong things sometimes. Or I might use a phrase or a word or a thought or there might be a trigger. Please don't crucify the church because of little things that you see. Because most time people don't mean what they do or even mean what they say in terms of hurting. And what we've got to do is grow through those moments so that we become better people and better churches. So we don't love the church because it's perfect. We love the church because it's filled with imperfect people who are being perfected by a perfect God. There's no perfect people. I haven't seen anyone here today. There's a few that are close. We're not perfect people, but we're here covered by the grace of God. So the church, the church is this. The church is and always will be God's plan. The church always will be God's plan. I meet believers every now and then, and I have a, I have a gift to call them out on this. It's a gift God's given me, who say, I don't need a church. It's like, really, I'm going there right now. And I meet them. I meet them in different situations, at different tables, at different lunches that I go to. And, and they'll tell me how they love the Lord. And, and I, my first question is, what church do you go to? And that awkward moment comes. Well, well I actually I don't go to a church. Or, or I'll ask them, what's your pastor's name? And so, so you don't go real often. 
it's, it's like calling it out. Where do you belong? It's important. The church is always the plan of God. It's not a man-made thing. The church is mentioned 114 times in the New Testament alone, with Jesus being the founder of the church. And when Peter had the revelation of who Jesus was, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, on this rock, meaning the revelation of who he was, on this rock of revelation of me being the Christ, he says, I will build my church. I will build my church, is what he said. C-H-E. U-R-C-H is what he came to build. Jesus is building something and it's called the church. How can we be a follower of God and not belong to his church? That just doesn't work. And it says, and the gates of hell, all the planning of hell will not overcome the building plan that God has for the church. Satan's plan is to destroy the church. Jesus' plan is to build the church. Oftentimes the church destroys itself because of the lack of belief that sometimes we have in the church. Love the church. I love the church. Passionate about the church. And I call people out on that. And sometimes I don't feel good about that. But someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it. Like if I'm having a conversation with Carl and Carl says something dumb, I've got to pull him up. Because I don't want Carl going to the next person having the same conversation and representing our church and saying something dumb about us. So if Carl's got it all wrong, someone's got to correct him and say, Carl, we don't do that. This is what we do. We don't say that. This is what we believe. This is what the Bible teaches. And Carl goes, oh, wow, I've never seen that. Thank you for being such an amazing pastor. (laughs) He would. He would say that. Some people don't. I know you find that hard to believe. (laughs) Ephesians 1.23, Paul says the church is Christ's body. It's filled with Christ and filled by Christ. How's that? Filled with Christ, filled by Christ, who fills everything, everywhere with his presence. This is why church is so beautiful. Not because of you and I and we're dressed in our best Sunday uh, gear. It's because Jesus is here. Jesus' spirit and presence is in the house. That's what my friend felt when he went to that connect group for the very first time. He felt something he'd never felt before because he walked into a room of believers that had gathered for a believing moment. And they were telling stories. They were having laughs. They were sharing food. They just thought they were doing their thing. But God was in the room. And what did my friend feel? God. What do you want your friends to feel when they come to church? God. Now they might feel God by thinking, gee, the music was really cool. I really love that, that uh, um, guy on the guitar who's just recently trimmed up his beard and looks so much better now. And uh, uh, TJ. Thought I didn't notice, did you? And, uh, and, and Mia, just over there, the Mia Mias and uh, the Briars and everyone else on stage, the Pules and whoever, whatever names there are that, uh, that are on stage and, and uh, Tim and Nick and, and everything. And, and, and they might look at that and think, well, that was really cool. What they're saying is, you know, I really feel Jesus in this place. They just don't use the language. I want people to feel Jesus in the place. I want them to feel that through you. Jesus loves the church. It's a place where his presence dwells physically. So the church is God's plan for expanding his kingdom here on earth. That's what the plan is. He expands through the church. The kingdom is established through the building of the church. Now here's the deal. I'm going as quick as I can because I just noticed the time. God is perfectly okay working with imperfect people. 
He's perfectly okay working with imperfect people. So you don't have to wait till you're okay before you can do something for God. God's used plenty of not quite okay people in the Bible. Just read their stories. The disciples, the dream team that Jesus chose. I don't know whether you've ever looked into the history of these people. They'd never be on my team. I'd never choose them. They would never make the mark. Jesus chose them. Jesus chose them and they changed their world. So a church, the church, is a place for us to gather, connect, believe in people, Believe in people when they struggle, believe in people when they fall, believe in people when they fail, believe in people when they don't get it right, believe in people when they make mistakes, believe in people when they're doing really well, just believe in people. I'm a people believer. There's a big difference between being a people pleaser and a people believer. Be a people believer. If you're a people believer, it'll help you believe in yourself a whole lot more. It'll help you believe in yourself a whole lot more. So God's plan is that every believer would be an active part of his church. God wants you activated, activated. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, Paul speaking again, you're all members of God's very own family, citizens of God's country, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. I want you to know you belong today, no matter what the story of your life is, no matter what the narrative is, no matter whether it's beautiful or ugly, you belong today and you make a difference when you're here. So your attitude needs to be like this, the psalmist, where he says, I was glad when they said unto me, come on, let us go to the house of the Lord. It's time to gather. I don't want us dragging our feet to the house of God. I want us speeding to get here under the speed limit. Not speeding. I, I want us under the speed, but, but getting here on time, enjoying being in the house of God. Psalm 23 says, Surely his goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Forever is the word I want to focus on. Not for five minutes, not for 10 minutes, not for 20, 17 years, Chi, or 20 years as I remember it, um, or, or 30 years. For, say forever. Forever forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I have three closing comments to make that will take me about an hour. (laughs) Three closing comments. I've got to race through it. So here they are that will help you be in the game and stay in the game. Live connected, live connected. In other words, show up, turn to your neighbor and say, show up, show up. If you're online today, show up, show up. Let's be a church that shows up. Let's be a church that shows... I don't know whether you've ever seen something that you can't unsee. I've seen a few things in my time that I can't unsee. Saw something yesterday I can't unsee. I can't tell you about it because I shouldn't have seen it. But now I've seen it, I just can't unsee it. It's just burnt on my eyeballs. I tried to sleep all night. Every time I shut my eyes, it's just all I could do was see it. It's like, don't look, too late. There's some things that once you've seen it, you can't unsee it. Isaiah the prophet, he said, I've seen the Lord. (laughs) Can you imagine that? I've seen the Lord high and lifted up. And his train fills the temple. And he speaks about the majesty of God. And he has this amazing moment with God. It was a vision that kept him throughout his ministry. You know, if you're going to be a, person that's not only in the game but stays in the game you've got to see some things that you can't unsee 
And I've seen some things in church life that I just can't unsee. It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter how much they criticize the church. It doesn't matter how much they bag the church for its imperfections, its mistakes, its, its hiccups, its, its different seasons of darkness or whatever it might be. There are some things about the church that I've seen that I just can't unsee. The people that I've seen come through church life that have been totally transformed, saved by the grace of God, had their sins forgiven, their lives revolutionized, families changed, marriages healed, finances restored. Uh, the, the, the amazing stories of things I've seen, the healings that I've seen take place, the miracles I've seen, um, the lost coming home, so much that I've seen in church life where there were things that humans couldn't do, but God did it. It's kind of what keeps me in church. And, you know, when I say you've got to see it and, and just see some things that you haven't seen yet and encourage people to come to church. Sometimes people think, well, it's okay for you. You're a pastor. You want everyone to come to church. Well, let me tell you why I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor because I saw it. And it's not to say if you see it, God's going to make you a pastor. But what he does, there comes a sense of purpose with it. It comes a sense of calling with it. If you don't see it, it's just you haven't seen it yet. doesn't mean it's not there. You just haven't seen it yet. And you really need to see it. See God changing lives. See God showing up in our lives. And so for God to show up, we've got to show up. So that means I'm going to come to church, not when it's convenient, not when it's comfortable, not just when I can make it. I'm going to make a plan to be in the house of God. It's going to be the centerpiece of my following God plan. My following God plan needs to have a plan that I activate, that I am chosen as a part of God's kingdom and God's church. This is where I'll connect. This is where I build. And so I show up not just for myself, but for others. I do it for others. There's so much that we do that's actually for other people. Do I need it? Not really. Do I need to go to that meal? Not really, but I'll go anyway because I love food. I will go. I will go. I'll do it for others. I'll be at the party for other people. I'd rather go to bed early because I'm at that stage in life when 8.30 at night is late. It's a sad stage, I know, but any friends out there? And I'm I'm looking for the covers. I'm just looking for bed. But there's a party on. So I gotta go to the party and and be there and enjoy it. And I, I do it for my mates, I do it for my friends. And I go and I be the life of the party. Not. Show up. Turn to your neighbor and say, show up. Not every two weeks, not every three weeks, not every four weeks, not every five weeks, not 12 times a year. But I show up because I'm part of the family. Number two, live in community. So we live connected. Secondly, live in community. In other words, grow up. We're going to enjoy this one. Turn to your neighbor and say, grow up. Grow up. This is is what church is about. It's about growing up. And we grow up through living community with other people people. People make us grow up. People help us grow up. Living with other humans close to us causes us to grow up. Otherwise, we're going to blow up. And a lot of people blow up because they've just not grown up. And one of the best counseling tools you can use for anybody is grow up. They are solved all your problems. I just saved you two months of counseling. Grow up. Grow up. I grow up and I'm connected to you. You cause me to grow. See, rows like this are for showing up. Circles, connect groups, small groups, they're for growing up. 
They're for growing up. They're for growing with other people. They're for being part of something smaller that is a part of something bigger. So we're called to show up. We're called to grow up. And then lastly, we're called to step up, to live committed, step up. And this is what we need to do after a season where everything changed, everything was shaken, and everything has been reshaped, is to step up. We step up our engagement. So the Bible encourages us with this. It says in Hebrews 10, let us think of ways to motivate one another. This is what we do as a team of leaders. We think of ways to encourage. We think of ways to motivate one another in acts of love and good works. And it says, and let us not neglect our coming together, our gathering, as some people have done, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of Christ's return is much closer. So we're in a step up season. Would you please stand with me? We're in a step up season. We're in a step up season where we step up to serve. We step up to get involved. We, maybe your step up today is simply this. Maybe your step up is, it's time I really belonged in church. So I'm going to step up. If that's you, say to yourself, just in your spirit, step up. Step up. I need to belong. Or I need to return. Step up. Maybe I need to come consistently. Step up. Maybe I need to serve on a team and help a team and get involved. And I've got a passion in this area. Step up. Maybe I need to tell my friends about Christ and share my story or invite them to a connect group. Invite them into that atmosphere that's full of love and full of food and full of friendship and full of fellowship. Step up and ask them. They'll never know unless someone goes. Unless someone steps up, they'll never step in. There's a lot of people wanting to step in that can't step in until we step up. God's calling them out. Are we welcoming them in? Are we big enough for that? Are we expansive enough for that? Are we broad enough for that? This is the beauty of the church. This is what God has called us to be. And God has called us to do is to help people show up grow up and step up and so as we come close as we're reminded in church news as we come close to saying goodbye to the end of 2023 which I can't even believe I'm saying it I'm stepping out I'm not resigning better clarify that Renee did once say publicly that it was my last sermon I've preached a few since then, Renee. I'm stepping out. Anyone want to step out with me? Come on, big step. I'm stepping out. Stepping out. I'm stepping out for 2024. I want to preach our theme and we're not even there yet. Stepping out's not our theme, but I love that thought. Stepping out. Stepping out. It's dangerous when you step out. Stepping out to see what God might do. I love the house of God. I love the place where his glory dwells. Because I tell you what this place does, filled with the presence of God. It helps us do what this song says. We're going to sing it in a moment. Speak the name of Jesus over everything and over everybody, over our village, over our city, over these trainees that we have come in here. And they come in here tomorrow morning and there'll be a lingering sense of just God's calmness and peace and presence and power and love and 
all those things. Let's love now, church. And let's bring future church quickly. Let's build. The glory of the latter will be much greater than the former. Don't live lamenting what has been. Live rejoicing in what is and thrilled for what will come. Let's speak Jesus over that. Let's lean in right now. Worship the Lord and sing this together as we close.